Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. You should never tell a psychopath you're a psychopath. It upsets them. Are you upset? As with many things, I'm late to it, but this week I started watching Killing Eve, starring Sandra Oh and Jodie Comer. This show, I have to tell you, is positively sublime. It's strange and eerie and a little disturbing. Ugh, but my goodness, is it beautifully shot. If she's alive, you need to find her. There's this psychopathic but somehow endearing and terrifying assassin, and that's Jodie Comer, and there's a spy, that's Sandra Oh, and they become obsessed with one another, and of course, in turn, chaos reigns all across Europe. There's lots of deadpan humor and action and just wildly uncomfortable moments, but I cannot stop watching. I have binged the first season and just started the second season, which is just as good. I have to say it has been a wholly satisfying watching experience, which is kind of rare for television, where I can shut off my critic's brain. From Luminary, this is the Roxanne Gay Agenda, the bad feminist podcast of your dreams. I am Roxanne Gay, your favorite bad feminist. And on this week's agenda, I have to tell you about the pleasures and perils of baking. As many of you know, I love cooking and baking. When the pandemic started, I decided to teach myself cake decorating, and I cannot tell you why. This is not something I've ever expressed any kind of interest in other than to eat. I have no artistic talent, which is also (laughs) useful for this story, but I didn't let that get in my way. I watched so many YouTube videos, and as an aside, I have to say, YouTube University, the parts that are not filled with like racists and conspiracy theorists and misogynists, it's just a modern marvel. The other day, I needed to replace the battery in my car key fob. I watched a video, I followed the instructions and replaced the battery, and I felt like I could absolutely do anything in that moment. I was just thinking, next stop, surgery. I mean, how hard could it be? But I digress. I watched my little baking videos and I bought some supplies, including this really cute little case where I can put all of my piping heads and piping bags and other Just there's so many supplies. It's lovely. I tried out different frosting recipes until I found one that worked. And I spent months baking just all kinds of layer cakes with fun fillings and then trying to make them beautiful, which was an exercise in humility. I really like being good at things, but I also like learning new things. And these are very incompatible interests. It turns out cake decorating is really hard. It doesn't only require like artistic flair. It demands patience, which I don't have, (laughs) and sometimes precision, which I also don't have. And so I failed miserably at making like frosted roses. No matter how many times I concentrate and turn the little rose tool while I pipe, it just comes out looking, well, sad, if not (laughs) ridiculous. I am pretty good after quite a lot of practice at creating a smooth coat of frosting around a cake. 
like just putting on a basic outfit. I can do an ombre. I even know how to cut layers with dental floss. But the finer <laughs> techniques, I have a long way to go. I cannot do anything with fondant. My cakes sometimes slump to the side, and I'm not entirely sure why. It's often way too hot in my kitchen for piping, and so the frosting won't hold its form as I try to make borders or florets or other decorative flares. Which brings me to one of my favorite Netflix shows, Nailed It, which features amateur bakers with the best of intentions, trying to bake these beautiful, perfect confections and often failing hilariously. Oh my gosh. Jack, what are you doing? I'm mixing candy and glitter, as one does. <laughs> Do you think it's melted enough? The host of Nailed It is the absolutely delightful Nicole Byers. She is a comedian, an actor, podcast host extraordinaire. Her humor is sharp and smart and funny. She doesn't take herself too seriously, but she isn't cruelly self-deprecating, which is to say, when she turns the joke on herself, she doesn't demean herself in the process. And it's refreshing. Tara, let's remember the Loch Ness Monster cake you were trying to make. And let's see what you did, 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 did. Before Nailed It, Nicole was one of the pundits on Girl Code, which was this MTV comedy slash advice show where you'd sometimes get raunchy advice from 10 female comedians about things like, what should you call your breasts? My ladies. That's the name of my boobs. I literally call them my ladies. <laughs> but on Girl Code, you could only see and hear Nicole in super quick clips. That changed when she started doing stand-up at colleges. And then she got her own show on MTV called Loosely Exactly Nicole. It was based loosely on Nicole's life doing things like auditioning for a drug commercial. Now I only have to take one pill instead of three. That was good, but I'm just going to say it. I want it blacker from the top. Now I only got to take one pill instead of three. Church lady black. Ooh, child. Oprah black. You get a pill, you get a pill, you get a pill. <laughs> now Nicole Byer has a hit comedy on NBC. She is starring in a really lovely show that I have really been enjoying called Grand Crew. Get it? <laughs> Just thinking about this girl I met earlier. That was a spark. There was no spark. Your heart is like a gas station bathroom open 24 hours in an absolute mess. My heart is not like a bathroom. It's a dirty bathroom. What you think, Gracie? <laughs> and she has a hilarious comedy special on Netflix called BBW or Big Black Weirdo. Oh, I'm so tired. I was shaving my pussy in the shower the other day and I got tired midway through. So I stopped. <laughs> And then to make myself feel better, I said, oh, Nicole, this is definitely a two-shower job. <laughs> it's still not done. If that weren't enough, she is the host of not one, not two, but three, maybe more podcasts. <laughs> and she wrote a book called Hashtag Very Fat, Hashtag Very Brave, The Fat Girl's Guide to Being Brave and Not a Dejected Melancholy Down in the Dumps Weeping Fat Girl in a Bikini. I don't know how, but she has also found the time to come on the Roxanne Gay Agenda. Nicole Byer, welcome so much. Oh, thank you so much for having me. What a trip to have to listen to myself. <laughs> <laughs> Do you like listening back to yourself, watching yourself? I used to not like it. I, I used to get weird about compliments, too, because um, mm -hmm. a lot of 
my fans happen to be fat women who then will tell me, oh, I never showed my arms and I never wore crop tops. And then I saw you doing it and you changed my life. And then I'd be like, ah, oh, that's too much of a responsibility. But now I kind of embrace it and I'm like, good. I'm so glad that one more person showing some skin because you're beautiful. Everyone's beautiful in their own way. Mm -hmm. And I guess sometimes it feels wild to like, quantify what you've done but it's like oh i have done a lot and i do find myself funny and i am my own biggest fan so now i enjoy it like you know something like hearing things back i was like oh yeah that's funny <laughs> that was good that, yeah, was, that good. was good <laughs> you know i'm a fairly busy person i'm too busy and you have so much going on <laughs> and is the word no even in your vocabulary when new opportunities come along? <laughs> Surprisingly, yes. Like I, my friend Marcella, uh, who's one of the meanest, nicest people I've ever met in my whole life. <laughs> she's a comic. She's so funny. She, at one point, I couldn't do a show. And I was like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm really busy because I'm doing X, Y, and Z. And she was like, bitch, never explain to me again why you're busy. Just say no. No's a full sentence. And I was like, it is. And I don't have to do everything. I can say no. And it's been hard, but I do say no now some, sometimes. <laughs> uh, teach me your ways. I struggle because when I say no, people tend to think it's a negotiating tactic. Yes. And it's like, oh, I'm actually really saying no. Yeah. Like, there's no amount of money or accommodation that you can give me that will make me say yes. Uh -huh. I, I cannot do it. I only have 24 hours in my day. Yes. I just cannot do it. Yeah. Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach. Give me great food. Tacos. Give me adventure. Hiking. Give me a date night. Sunset cruise. Give me some smiles. Cheese. Give me more beaches. Beaches. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like ah. <sighs> 
being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. Do you think that successful Black women feel like a pressure to say yes to everything more than others? I do think so. I think we are given limited opportunities, especially as a fat Black woman. Mm Mm-hmm. It's like, well, you know, maybe tomorrow it won't be okay to be a fat black woman and they won't want to cast me in something and they won't want to use me for this. So I have to say yes until people start saying no. And I feel like older women have the same thing where they're like, I got to say yes until I'm so old that nobody ever wants me again. How has it changed over the course of your career as a fat black woman? Because I know that things are better, but... Mm -hmm. I don't know. I like sometimes I'm like that's a low bar. <laughs> I will say I think things have changed. There's more more of us. Mm-hmm. Like uh there's you know Amber Riley, she's my age range. Um Danielle Pinnock, I think that's how I say her last name. She's on uh, CBS's Ghosts. Um, Raven Goodwin, like there's just Gabrielle Sidibe. There's a lot. There's mm-hmm. more. I have more contemporaries now where I felt like there was only a couple of us working, but I think we're all consistently working. Dulce Sloan's another one. Um, yes. Natasha Rothwell, Michelle Butel. Like it's it's nice to see plus size women working and not always just being the best friend uh seeing them in lead roles like um raven and amber i can't wait to watch their lifetime movie it's like single black female yes, like i'm just I like i'm ready for that but i also just was like so ready there's like four more of us that look pretty similar and get mistaken for each other how come we didn't get cameos <laughs> <laughs> you know it's funny you should say that there's a writer who looks nothing like me but who's also a fat black woman <laughs> with tattoos her name is sam irby and mm-hmm. we both talk about this quite a lot one day she was in a bookstore and a woman walked up to her and said, uh, aren't you Roxanne Gay? Isn't this your book? Something like that. Uh-huh. And she was like, oh, no, no, that's not me. I'm, you know, someone else. I wrote that book. And she was like, are you sure? That's happened to me. <laughs> someone complimented me on my Netflix character special years ago because Natasha Rothwell did one. And I said, oh, that's Natasha. And they were like, oh, are you sure? Same thing happened. Someone said, you're Retta. And I said, no. And they said, are you sure? And I was like, truly, both times I went, oh, wow. Yes. I had to think about it. I was like, uh, yeah, yes, 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 I'm sure. To, I mean, whenever I, I get mistaked for her all the time, too. And I'm like... You That's look not nothing nice. alike. Nothing. Nothing. Like there's just no realm in which we look. And and I would love to look like her. She's a beautiful woman. <laughs> so right now you're starring um in Grand Crew, yes. which is really, really good. Roxanne, um, thank you. I love it thank so you. much. And I don't actually watch a lot of network television because that's not necessarily where some of the best stuff mm-hmm. is happening. But I started watching this and I was like, oh my God, we're finally getting to the promised land where there are like multiple black shows on and they're about different kinds of things. Yes. And so for people who don't know, Grand Crew is a show about this group of friends and they get together at this wine bar every once in a while. But really, you get to see their trials and travails. And the episode about... um the racial thing that happened and Mm -hmm. everyone was dealing with it in a different way. I really thought that was a smart, funny way to 
engage with like the realities of black people having to both be black and then be capital B black all Mm -hmm. the time. And so how has the experience of the show been for you? Honestly, truly delightful. And it's based on our friend group where we do go to a wine bar. So it wasn't hard to like conjure that. Yeah. And we laughed so much. Like I was like, when do we get to see the gag reel? Because we had so much fun. <laughs> uh, it was a dream job. I would love to see that gag reel. I have to ask, who is the wardrobe person on that show for you? Because whoever <laughs> she is or he, like, they be hitting. It was, was, I was just like taking little notes. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a lot of um, conversations where I was like, I need Nikki to... I mean, she's a character. She has different thoughts than me. She has different. She does different things than me. But mm-hmm. I was like, she cannot be a basic fat woman. She has to wear color. She has to have like agency in what she looks like because I feel like on on a lot of shows where there's a fat character, it's a lot of like florals and yeah. tent like dresses and just like nobody tries to make them look fashionable. And I was like. Mm-hmm. That's not her. She's she's a realtor and like realtor. I think I say realtor wrong. Real realtor. I don't know. Someone tweeted at me, but they were like, you add a a letter. And I was like, lady, I'm an actor. I don't fucking know things. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That's uh, not your job. (laughs) That's not my job. I'm not supposed to know shit. (laughs) But, you know, realtors are like. They they present well. They're presenting a mm-hmm. house. They want to sell. They want to sell you on the dream. They have to look good. And I felt listened to, and that was really nice. I love that you were listened to because I always worry whenever I see a gorgeous fat black woman or really a fat woman anywhere, I just think, will the wardrobe person know what to do? Yeah. Will they know where to source actual beautiful clothing? Because even though there's some work to do there, things have gotten really much better in the clothing mm-hmm. department in the past I would say four or five years. Yeah. And so I was just very appreciative uh, of like just the outfits were sexy and mm-hmm. chic. And you also looked your age and not like, yes, I don't know if you remember Catherine's, but you didn't look like a hundred oh, years older I than you are. I remember Catherine's. <laughs> so many sad times uh-huh. in Catherine's. Uh-huh. Mm, I, oh, I, I have cried many a tear in Catherine's. Yeah. Uh, growing up was hard. Because you'd go to like it Lane really Bryant and be was. like, Flame Bryant, how nice, but I don't want to wear Paisley print capris. Mm-hmm. I'm 15. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you go to uh, Catherine's where they're like, oh, no, here we we cater to a mature woman. And uh-huh. so it's like, not only am I going to look 40, I'm going to look 75. Yes, so old. Yeah. <laughs> and so much like zhuzh yes. and dazzle. They bedazzled a, a lot. Yeah. In the 2000s, they were like, you want tie-dyed bedazzled cold shoulder shirts for everything? It's like, mm-hmm. no, please. Please, no. <laughs> there was an episode on the show where Nikki uh, goes to a pole dancing class. Mm-hmm. And I understand that you actually enjoy pole dancing in your own life. I do love it so much. Uh, Phil texted me and was like, what do you do for self-care? He's like, do you do self-care? And I was like, yeah, pole dancing is like self-care for me because um, I get a, it's a tangible way to see my body moving. Mm-hmm. And I feel like growing up, if someone explained to me exercise releases endorphins, Running isn't something you have to do. You can figure out a way to move your body joyfully that also releases endorphins that you're not going to hate. 
as opposed to like run or like go to the gym and shit like that. So I was like, that is my self care. Uh, so he wrote it into the episode and it was really fun to do. I love that. I have not yet found the joyful thing, but and when I saw you like fine. twirling around on that pole, I was just like, yes. I honestly recommend everyone try it. Pole dancing has kind of gentrified sex work and a little mm. uh, taken the sex work out of pole dancing. So I try yes. to talk about sex work when I talk about pole dancing because I think sex work is real. I don't understand why it's not decriminalized. I don't understand why there's a stigma because people do it for free. Why not charge somebody? Mm -hmm. um, and I'm not saying that everybody who dances is like a, you know, a full service sex worker, but you know, whatever. I just, I, it's a, it's a talent. These women are, and men are in tune or people are in tune with their bodies. And I think mm -hmm. that is such a powerful thing. And then to like, Watch your body in a mirror slither around is fun. It's fun mm -hmm. to see yourself as a sexual being or just a being who can move their body. Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach. Give me great food. Tacos. Give me adventure. Hiking. Give me a date night. Sunset cruise. Give me some smiles. Cheese. Give me more beaches. Beaches. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do, too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. Just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. 
one of the things I love about your comedy is that you don't rely on like cruel self-deprecation. You don't take yourself <laughs> too seriously, but you're not going to like humiliate yourself for a laugh. <laughs> yeah. I uh, sometimes you hear jokes and you're like, oof, that could have been unpacked in therapy as opposed to on a stage. Um, I do try to keep it light. And I learned early on that it was going to be hard to to tell jokes about being fat because, and every fat comic has this joke where you go, oh, as a fat woman, and then someone in the audience will go, you're not fat, you're beautiful. Mm -hmm. And then you have to stop the joke to be like, okay, the two aren't mutually exclusive. Mm -hmm. You think I'm saying fat is a negative thing. I'm just saying it is a thing that I have and it's okay. I am okay with it. Um, but yeah, I never want to like, poke fun at myself to the point where I make myself sad. Like one of my favorite jokes I told on nailed it was, um, or things that I said that is a joke is, um, Jacques, the head judge had picked a, like a brown burntish part. And I was like, thank you for picking the darker piece over the lighter piece. Cause sometimes we're left behind. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, <laughs> it was like, it's a joke, but also it's some real truth to it. And uh, that's my favorite. That's my sweet spot where you're like, oof, that's a thinker. But also, that's pretty funny. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that's where I like to live. How did you develop your humor? Like, when did you first know that you were funny? I first knew I was funny when my grandmother... She'd be like, you tickle me. I don't know if that's a Barbados thing, but like, she instead of saying, like, ha-ha, you're funny, she'd be like, you mm -hmm. tickle me. Or she'd be like, oh, she's performing again. She's showing off. And my mom was a very funny woman. Just charismatic. I never met a person who didn't like her. She just glowed. She just had this aura around her. I think I inherited a lot of that from her. I like to laugh. I like to smile when pe other people laugh. That brings me joy. Like, truly, if I can make a server laugh or, like, the person checking me out at the supermarket, I'm like, okay, that's nice. That, like, maybe they didn't <laughs> laugh for a while and they got one little laugh. Maybe it was a courtesy laugh. I don't know, but I feel good. So, yeah. So how do you then parlay knowing you're funny and wanting to make people laugh into a career? Where does that start? So I went to acting school in New York and... After I graduated, had several terrible auditions, and then I literally Googled. This is, I Google everything. But I was like, what do mm -hmm. actors do when they don't act? <laughs> and Google <laughs> told me improv. So then I looked up improv schools in New York, and I found UCB, and then I started taking classes. And then I was like, oh, these people make money teaching. And I was like, I'll be an improv teacher. And I used to like practice in the mirror being like, I'm Nicole. I'm your improv teacher today. <laughs> which is so dorky. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then a lot of people had commercial agents and they would book commercials and that would also supplement their income. And I was like, oh, I'll do that. Um, and then I got this manager who was like, you know, I see you doing more. And I was like, you do? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. So I kind of just fell into the like like acting acting i was like i don't know if i'll ever be an actor i don't know but then i started doing improv and i was like this is something i like this is something i want to learn how to get good at and then it just kind of blossomed from there and what do you like about improv because i've seen you do improv at um the the the, the comedy club across from the it's not a comedy club but the theater across from the strip club oh largo 
Yes. Yes, 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 yes. Largo. I forgot and that it's like right across from a strip club. I that, That's my call. Every time I go there, I'm like, I want to go in that club. Like, what is going on in there? Yeah, I haven't been to that club. Maybe I'll go there. I haven't either. I love a strip um, club. But I saw the show and I, I'm not normally a fan of improv, but I loved it. <laughs> and so how do you get good at improv? Because not everyone can do it. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a lot of... It is listening. Like, you have to listen to your scene partner. Um, also, I sometimes surprise myself what comes out of my mouth. I mm-hmm. I have ADHD, so my brain truly works in a way that I could not begin to explain to people. When I do, I get lost. But, um, yeah, I just it just comes out and I say it. And then, also, I'm having fun and... And then you like I like to play little boys who are very misogynistic and I mm-hmm. think it's fun to play from a a female identifying person's point of view. I did one show with Sashir in Vancouver where we were two kids at the end of the world and I played a little boy and we were like and I kept being like you have to make dinner or whatever and then she was like why do you keep saying that and I'm like I'm just trying to remember what my parents would say to each other and it was just like very misogynistic things telling her to do things and then after the show this man came up to me and he's like boy oh boy I love that show I loved when you were telling her what to do because that's what men do and I was like uh oh I don't think you got <laughs> what I was trying to say I guess I was too convincing <laughs> oh my but yeah oh. I just, I love it. It's so, it's silly. And it's like, you'll never see that show again. It's just for that yeah. audience. There is, I think there must be a pleasure in that knowing that you can't buy it. Mm-mm. You can't record it. You can't watch it over and over. It's not going to go viral. It's you. It's one night only. Yeah. So you've had a lot of odd jobs. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about some of them. Okay. I can't believe you worked at a spandex store. A spandex store called Joyce Leslie. Oh, okay. So it's not as everything was made of spandex. (laughs) It was like um, teen clothing, kind of like a rainbow, but a very Jersey rainbow. Um, (laughs) And oh, I loved it. Women would come in and be like, where's your plus section? I'd be like, oh, we don't have one. They're like, why do you work here? And I was like, all right, just because they don't sell my clothes. I mean, I can't work here. Uh, oh, I loved working at Joyce Leslie. R.I.P. Really? I think they closed. I loved Joyce Leslie. Our clientele oh. was so funny. Like, I laughed all the time. <laughs> That's good. You know, Rainbow, I know that there's a lot of problems with fast fashion, mm-hmm. but Rainbow has some things going on. And I pinch, mean, the little pieces are cute. Yes. And they actually have some extended sizes. They do. And they had extended sizing... Like back in the fuck, like back in the day. So when I lived in New York, that was like 2004 ish. They had plus sizes. And that's where I would go and get my little $5 leggings, my little $10 dresses, mm-hmm. look very, very cute, mix it with my stuff from the thrift store. Wednesdays on the Upper West Side, Salvation Army, 50% off, you know, mix and match stuff and <laughs> have my cute little $35 outfit to wear out. So you, after improv and all of your retail jobs, you started to do stand up especially after Girl Code's popularity. Mm -hmm. How do you get the courage to go on stage and make yourself vulnerable? It was such a roundabout way getting into stand-up. So after Girl Code, colleges were like, oh, come do stand-up at our our school because the show's so popular. So it was like Girl Code, Guy Code tours. And at the time... 
my manager was like, well, you, you, you can do stand-up. Just frame your character work and, like, your funny thoughts. Just frame it. And he, like, he was like, get a book and learn the basic joke structure. And I was like, okay. And then I was like, what if I just did improv? And he was like, no, they want you to do stand-up. And I said, okay. And I said, maybe I don't want to do it. Then he said, it's like you're leaving money on the table. They're handing you money and you're just not getting it by not learning mm-hmm. how to do it. And I said, oh, all right, I'll learn. So then started doing shows at colleges and I learned very quickly that they would laugh at almost anything I said because I was on TV and they were excited to see me. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, let me try these jokes in LA. So then I would do the jokes in LA and they wouldn't land. And I was like, mm, cause they're not funny. So then mm-hmm. I, oh, it was a lot of work, but I would like tour on the weekends and do like five shows a week trying to figure out what my voice was and what I wanted to say and how I was funny by myself and I finally figured it out. And I was like, okay, so if I'm funny for people in LA, I'm funny at people at colleges, I should be funny enough for people in Ohio. And then I started doing clubs. And that in itself is brutal when you're not like, when you haven't done it enough. Because mm-hmm. you're doing five shows in three days. And sometimes you don't sell out. And sometimes you're doing shows for 10 people. Sometimes you do sell out. And they're just there because they're like, let's just see the comic on the weekend because they don't know who I am. And Mm -hmm. then, you know, you're in like Appleton, Wisconsin with a bunch of white people who (laughs) are vaguely racist. When Mm -hmm. I was in Appleton, Wisconsin, my feature was a black guy, a little darker than me. And during his set, some white guy goes, smile, we can't see you. And I was like... (gasps) And I truly walked out into the audience with my hands on my head and I went, what? What? And the staff didn't do anything. Nobody went over to the guy and was like, you have to leave. And then they were the rudest audience when I got on stage. And I ended the set with, um, I started talking. Someone interrupted me for like the fifth or sixth time. And I get it. You could roast people. I had done that. Um, they laughed. They liked that. But they kept interrupting. And I was like, I'm a human being. And, you know, the argument is, you're a stand-up. You should be able to, to do all, you know, cut everybody down, do the show, whatever. I'm like, but I'm also a person. And I'm tired. <laughs> and sometimes, you know, at your job, your boss asks you to do something. You don't do it because you're tired. You don't file that report. Mm-hmm. That's I was not filing the report that night. So I said, <laughs> I started the joke. I'm not finishing it. You people don't fucking deserve it. <laughs> then I walked off stage. <laughs> and they were like, really? And I was like, yeah. Yeah. I'm so mad. <laughs> Good for you. I've been to Appleton. <sighs> oh. And not one thing about this story surprises oh, me. What a, and then I found out it was a sundown town. And I was like, oh, so it's literally mm-hmm. just ingrained in you people. And I, I don't want to be like, everyone there is a racist. But I'm like, it's, 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 it's in the air. It's, it's, in, part it's, in the, the it's part of the fabric culture. of the culture. Yeah. 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 It's a. Uh, so, but I've had you, good shows. <laughs> okay, well, clearly. <laughs> how do you persist, though? Like, I'm always curious mm-hmm. with creative people. Oftentimes, we encounter decades of failure. Yeah. And trial and error before we really get successful. And then there's actually more failure waiting ahead. So yeah. how did you persist and decide, you know what? I'm leaving the stage right now in Appleton, but I'm going to hit the next club tomorrow. I think it was like, because I you, I got like a little bit of success and then humbled. I just kept getting humbled. And then I'd be like, okay, well, that didn't work. My show got canceled. But like, you know, 
I'll I'll like keep performing and that's that's what I need right now. Okay, I'll audition. Oh, I got this little part. Okay, I just like it's kind of Thomas the fucking that little train dude. Did he just keep what is it like he keeps going? I don't know. He keeps chugging along. I don't know. The little engine that could. Oh my God. <laughs> you were looking at me like, I don't fucking know who Thomas is. <laughs> I, and then and then I was just like, Thomas the engine? <laughs> yeah, the little engine oh, that could. It's That's... been so long. Yes. I do know the little he engine that could. He just kind of chug along. And I feel like people, they're like, God, you're everywhere at once. You have so many podcasts. And I was like, yes, it's by design. It's you keep working until people can't help but notice you. You mm-hmm. keep doing things until you're undeniably good. You keep doing things until you find the people who want you and want to see you. And then you also have to love it. Like, I loved touring. And I love, 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 love doing stand-up. Right now, I'm a little bit of, I'm a little burnt out, to be honest, because working in a pandemic, getting tested every day, getting off the plate like it's it's a lot and it's it's intense sometimes um and then also to be like you know working here in LA it's just it's a lot but like in the free times boy oh boy I loved it like I loved working so much and I loved when people were like when do you sleep and I was like when did you like to know because I would like to know uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I get asked that a lot and, I, and I'm just like I don't mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> like I, I, don't. I do not one of the things you did during the pandemic was a Netflix comedy special. Ah, uh, yes. Big Black Weirdo. Oh, can I just correct you? It's Big Beautiful yeah. Weirdo. Oh, my God. It's okay. I think it was Big Black. Well, oh, it might mm. because I, I called it Big Black Weirdo with an interview with Sashir, and I don't know if it ever got corrected, but it's Big Beautiful Weirdo. <laughs> That's which even is better. A Big play Beautiful Weirdo. Big Beautiful Woman, which is a porn <laughs> <Yeah>. genre. <laughs> Indeed it is. I may or may not be familiar with that genre. <laughs> Do you, did any, I mean, hopefully people understood what I, you were going for I with BBW. I think they got it. I hope they get it. Eh, you know, I mean, I, I really, I put a I pole dance in it and a hamburger bikini. That was my opener. I uh, got a little bit of pushback on that. They were like, uh, I don't know. And, I was, and then when it like all came together, they were like, this is very you. This is it's funny. And I was like, good. I'm glad I, I like stuck to my guns and fought for it. It was like a, it was a little expensive and really ate into the budget. But <laughs> I was like, I don't care. It's like it's coming out of my money. It's fine. Mm-hmm. How do you hold the line when you know something's going to work or when you just want it in, in a comedy special, for example? I just had this vision. I was like, I really want to like pole dance and throw a dummy across the stage that looks like me and like just real like silly. I was like, I just want it to be very silly just so people it sets a tone that it's like I am a very silly person and I'm truly just here for the tee hee hees and ha ha ha's. And there was they were just like, why don't we just like do this, do this? And I was like, no. No, I just I knew it was like it is mine. My name is on it. Mm-hmm. It is about a decade's worth of work and jokes and stuff I've workshopped and and love. There's some jokes in there that like I just relish in telling and mm-hmm. love the response I get every time I told it. Um, and I was like, this is my like neatly tied up box that I'm like, here, that's me. It's my calling card. So I was like, I cannot, I cannot negotiate with terrorists. You cannot tell me what to do. <laughs> I'm kidding. They're not terrorists. Everyone involved was really, really kind and great and was being helpful. But I was like, no, sorry. This is what it is. Mm-hmm. 
So you're only 35, which is very young, and you're having so many amazing career moments. What's next for you? What do you want the next decade of your career to look like? Is there anything you want to conquer that you haven't done yet? Movies, more television? I would really like to do movies. Um, I would also love to, like, I really love being silly, but I also really want to explore the the muscle of drama. Mm-hmm. Um, Netflix is used, one of my favorite shows. It's so dark, but it's also so funny. And I really loved Yellow Jackets. And oh, I so do good. not think a fat black woman has been given the opportunity to have material like that. Mm-hmm. And it's like when Viola Davis is like, I get compared to Meryl Streep and they say I'm the black Meryl Streep. No, I'm Viola Davis. And I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, that, that part. Like, and she has been, you know, given some incredible opportunities and I love that, but I'm like more, more. Mm-hmm. I want to see a fat black woman, you know, get to play some of these parts and, and, you know, be flawed and messy and complicated and grounded so that's what I would like to do next. I would really like to be given the opportunity to like flex some muscles. Um, like when I think of black indies, I think of like precious and I'm like, yes. I don't want that to be the staple of like a black indie film or not. Yeah. Indi- yeah. That's an indie film. I think uh, yeah, it, was it was lower, a lower budget, was. but I'm like, some of us have joy. Some of us mm-hmm. aren't fully consumed by tragedy and grief and not to say that some of us aren't, but we're not a monolith and I, yeah, I just, I, I would love to do more grounded dramedy drama stuff. Also, I want to get into directing. I think that is a medium that's not represented by a lot of uh, black women like Zola, that movie. Nobody talked about that enough. The direction in that was incredible. That movie was really delightful and the material dark, but like, the movie dazzled in this way that I was like, wow. Um, and I think uh, her name, her last name's Bravo. And I cannot. Uh, Janixa Bravo. Yes. I've always said her name incorrectly. I called her Janzica until someone was like, bitch, that's not her name. And I was like, uh oh, <laughs> I'll never say it out loud again. But boy, is she fucking talented. She is fiercely, fiercely talented. Yeah. I am a oh. huge fan of hers. I'm a fan of Jeremy O'Harris. Yes. You know, and. I have to say, I'm so glad you brought up Zola because I'm obsessed with the movie. It's so good. I really don't understand the Oscars. It's like, did they not watch movies this year? I know. I was, it's so good. Like the acting, the direction, like it looked beautiful. Also, Dime Davis is an incredible director. She did the Mm -hmm. first, maybe second season of Black Lady Sketch, but she definitely did the first season of Black Lady Sketch Show. And she elevated it to look so, so beautiful. And... Yeah, I was just like, black women are out here doing like some really cool shit. And they are. I want more of us doing stuff. And yeah, I would love to hop behind the camera. I'm not much of a writer. Writing's like hard for me. Mm -hmm. Uh, But yeah, like directing is really, really, really interesting to me. All right. Well, we have spoken it into the universe. More (laughs) directing and more acting and being able to demonstrate your range. I hope that all of the, I know all of these things are going to happen for you. Nicole Byer, thank you so much for joining me on the Roxanne Gay Agenda. Roxanne, thank you so much. You can keep up with me and the podcast on social media on Twitter at rgay and Instagram at roxannegay74. Our email is roxannegayagenda at gmail.com and we would love to hear from you. 
From Luminary, the Roxanne Gay podcast is produced by Curtis Fox. Our intern is Yesenia Moreno. Production support is provided by Caitlin Adams and Meg Pillow. I'm Roxanne Gay, your favorite bad feminist, and thank you for tuning in once more. Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach! Give me great food. Tacos! Give me adventure. Hiking! Give me a date night. Sunset cruise! Give me some smiles. Cheese! Give me more beaches. Beaches! What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at sandiego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds.